Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the Silver King's letters entitled Dearest Ones from March of 1945. This March has been a busy month for the King. He's flying quite a bit, leading his group, catching some duty as he writes to his family on March 20th, 1945. Dearest Ones, I haven't written for a couple of days, so you must forgive me. It was because I was too tired to even hold a pen. Since my last letter, I've flown two missions besides pulling group duty again. I've been walking around half asleep almost. However, the five letters received from you tonight have me wide awake now. It's swell receiving so much news at once. Thanks again for writing so faithfully. Four of them are very recent, the latest dated March 7. The fifth one must have gotten lost somewhere en route. You wrote it from Chicago on December 7. It's welcome, though, regardless. I also have the two sets of bars. Thanks loads for sending them as I requested. Your Easter card is very sweet. It sort of took me by surprise. I had no idea Easter is so close. I'm still trying to mail you the perfume. As soon as I can obtain a box and some wrapping paper, I shall. Needless to say, how surprised I am about Sarah Lee's marriage. Not that it isn't about time, but you're never having mentioned anything before. I suppose it was as much of a surprise to you. Yes, I can well imagine her excitement after waiting so long for the opportunity. Undoubtedly, her folks must feel the same. I'm anxious to know the details since your letter was written before the marriage, especially what he looks like, etc. I only hope she did better than Jerome. I see you're still wondering why he picked Phyllis. I wonder what you will say about the girl I marry. It's disappointing you had such poor response with your Red Cross drive. I'll never understand this. They are doing such marvelous work over here and really do deserve a lot of credit. But I suppose that people find it hard to realize since they can't actually see it. However, I'm indeed glad you're doing your part. I am awfully proud of you. I'm also glad you donated the $50 for me. But you didn't say if it came out of my allotment. Remember, that's how I requested it. Please comply. You remember Mike, whom you met at Carlsbad and liked so much? He's stationed over here somewhere, but as yet I haven't seen him. One of the fellows from here, however, ran into him in England just recently at the Flack House. He's well, I'm glad to say, but from the reports he's considerably nervous. 
He always was a little nervous and excitable, but is more now than ever. I can well understand. Only hope the rest in England will help him. The weather continues to be nice, although the nights are a little chilly. Gee, I know it must be beautiful there. I hope you were able to hire a man to take care of the lawn and flowers. How does the house look now? Have you had anything painted or made any additions? And do you still leave the door open in my room? How I wish I could be there, needless to say. No, I've never received Ida's letter. Tell her to write another one and give her my love. Please keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. I love you and miss you, Stan. There are always things in Stanley's letters that stop me and remind me of how young he was. It's March, and he's not quite 22. The amount of insight and compassion that the king had for his fellow warriors comes through in a number of ways. And in this case, a friend he had from Carlsbad from Bomber School, a man named Mike, had a nervous break. And he's recovering at what was known as a flack house. And there were a number of them throughout England where American airmen could retreat and recover from their wars. As Stanley writes to his family on March 21st, 1945, Dearest Ones, Mail call wasn't as good tonight as it was last night, although I did receive one letter from you. See, that's how spoiled I'm becoming. Compared to the others, this is a fairly old one being dated February 26th. Even so, it's as welcome as though it was written today. Somehow I don't have that empty feeling at night when I have mail from you. In other words, I love you tremendously for being so sweet. I haven't received the box you sent, but I'm looking forward to it. We are well stocked with food, but can always use more. Our mainstay is eggs. The French come around all day trading us eggs for soap. We get six for a bar of soap, which is a good swap. And with the soap we have, we can afford eggs for the next six months. Consequently, every night before bed, we have a snack, which always includes three or four eggs apiece. Speaking of oak leaf clusters, I have earned my third one now. That makes two more since I wrote you about my first one. That's equivalent to four air medals. Yes, you're right about having interesting stories to tell. Sometimes I wish I had the ability to write a book, and at other times I'm glad I haven't. There are some things I would like to remember but there are more things I would like to forget. My job is trivial compared to what some are sacrificing, although I'm doing all in my power to make it helpful. This was a beautiful day, almost like summer. 
It used to be the mud, but now it's the dust. However, the dust is easier to put up with. I spent the day just doing nothing in general. Best of all, I slept until noon, which I've been missing lately. This afternoon I was busy trying to show the ropes to a new man now. At the rate the old men are going home and the replacements are coming in, I am practically a veteran in the outfit. I seem to be at a loss for news tonight. I'll try to do better next time. Keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. The Silver King's themes remain steady throughout his war years. He's generally hungry, asking for more food, talking extensively about negotiating with the French people to keep a stock of eggs in their room, and, of course, occasionally burying the lead on his awards, his oak leaf clusters, and his many missions as his war proceeds. And he writes on March 28, 1945, Dearest Ones, I guess it has been almost a week since writing you last, and I'm terribly angry with myself for neglecting you so. This has been the first time I have gone for so long without writing, and I assure you the last. In fact, it would not have occurred this time except for circumstances beyond my control. Since my last letter, I have flown four or five missions. I can't even remember which. Anyhow, I was completely exhausted from them, could hardly hold my head up, much less write a coherent letter. I suppose you're well acquainted with all the good news of late. This naturally ties up with us. When they are busy on the ground, we are busy in the air. It's difficult to express my feelings concerning the war now. Everything sounds so good. The battle line is moving faster than I can keep up with it. From all appearances, I can't see how it can last another 30 days. Consequently, my morale hasn't been as high before. I may yet be home in time for your anniversary. Besides flying of late, day before yesterday, I received a very pleasant surprise. Bill came down to pay me a two-day visit. I had no idea he was coming, and he was a sight for sore eyes. I never was so glad to see anyone. He is the same crazy guy, full of a million laughs, which are always welcome. He has just a few more missions than I. He arrived too late to go to town, so we stayed here for the night talking over old times and shooting the bull in general. It made me awfully sorry he wasn't stationed here with me. It surely would make things easier. Yesterday early, we went into San Quentin with a few of the other fellows. Needless to say, we all got tight, drinking cognac and champagne. It was just like old times, drinking and having a hell of a good time. We remained in there for the night, and this morning Bill went back. I came back here to sleep all day since I'm not getting much last night. 
Bill promised to come down again soon, and I hope to visit him. Perhaps I may get a chance to go up this weekend. I certainly hope so, as I'll get to see Sherry also. There you have the news and why I haven't written. I hope I'm forgiven. Your letters have been arriving fairly often, the latest having been dated March 16th. You certainly had a grand birthday. I'm only sorry I wasn't able to contribute to it. But you didn't tell me how old you are. I didn't really mean I was disappointed because Margie has brown eyes, except blue would go well with her blonde hair. I, too, wish I could see her, and it would be a great pleasure. It's swell that Leona got to visit New York. I'm sure she had a grand time, but I suppose the curfew just put a sort of damper on her fun. So you were drunk again. Shame on you. I've got a hunch Dad isn't talking to you, for I presume you embarrassed him as usual. It's nice she married such a swell fellow. I do hope she will be very happy. It's too bad about Sam Leaf. They are really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Natalie's engagement is a surprise. Is she still in the waves? Are there any single girls left in Birmingham? Well, that's about it for now. I do hope you're well and not too lonesome. I've got 29. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. The Silver King's march was busy. He was flying many missions. His flight jacket is full. But he's had time to socialize. He's missing his buddies. Bill pays him a visit, and he definitely misses John Sherry. And also reveals, of course, in his writing that he's uh, wondering if there are any single women left in Birmingham. And he's a young man about to be 22 as he writes to his family on March 31st. 1945. Dearest ones, it was wonderful hearing from you tonight after a few nights with no mail at all. The mail has definitely improved, as is evident from your letter of March 2-4. You certainly can't ask for better service than seven days. However, it remains singular as I'm missing your letters between March 16th and the 21st. For example, Tonight I receive letters dated the 21st, the 23rd, and 24th. Knowing you write every day, that leaves the 22nd blank. The order in which they arrive doesn't matter too much, though, just as long as I continue to receive. Thanks loads for the wings. I have both of them. They aren't exactly what I wanted, but will serve the purpose. Okay, now if I can find someone to sew them on, I'll be in good shape. Thanks also for looking for more bars, though with your two sets and since Alina sent some, which haven't arrived, I should have ample. I shall be looking forward to your box. Our food supply is getting rather low. 
but I'm afraid to make more requests as the war might end before they come. Just in case it lasts a little longer, though, please send more food, such as shrimp and chicken. You asked why the fellows with whom I was at Columbia are going and have gone home already. You must remember that they left for overseas from Columbia, while I went to Barksdale to train all over again. Naturally, they were over here many months before I. Their tour of duty is considered at 70 missions, while mine is 65 missions. However, when you get that many, five more doesn't amount to much. Since my last letter, I have flown another mission, which leaves me only 29 to go. Receiving one and a quarter missions for every lead I fly certainly has boosted my total up. Even so, I doubt very seriously if I will be able to finish before the war ends. As you must know, the news is most encouraging. Morale and optimism is the highest I've seen yet. It has everyone guessing at the day it will finally end. Just for the records, my personal guess is that the glorious day will come in exactly 19 days, I hope. Yes, it looks as though we'll have that big party long before I had ever imagined. I haven't heard from Leona in quite a while, so I'm glad they are all well. Margie must be getting to be a big girl. I bet she's cute. It's a shame about Lee. I surely hope he isn't called. The weather has turned a little chilly here also. It's ideal for sleeping, though. I wonder if you're keeping the holidays this year. I doubt it since you're by yourselves. Maybe next year we'll be able to spend them together. By the way, who is this different crowd you're playing cards with regularly now? I can't imagine who they might be, but I'm glad you're having plenty of company. We haven't played bridge for quite a while, and I'm almost forgotten how. There doesn't seem to be any more news for tonight. Please keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. Good night, dears. I love you and miss you, Stan. As our hero, the king, contemplates the war's end, and we imagine him gambling with his buddies on exactly what day it will happen in Europe, he is still explaining the war to his parents, particularly his mother, who's wondering about the men he trained with at Columbia Army Air Base in South Carolina and why they are going home before our hero has his chance to return. A son who's young remains extraordinarily patient with his parents as we come to the end of Stanley's writings from March of 1945 at A72, north of Paris. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.